Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Content Clearinghouse. I'm Josh Evans. And I'm Nick Underwood. And on today's episode, Nick discusses Mark Zuckerberg's next foray into revolutionizing connectivity technology with Meta. Not just the Facebook company rebranding, but the virtual social networking experiment that Mr. Zuckbucks himself hopes will become the next operating system for the world. Then Nick and I both gush at length about an experience we've had that was unlike anything else on the planet. An interactive exhibit with so much backstory, gameplay, and exploration involved that we couldn't help but classify it as anything other than content of the highest order. That's right, we're talking about Meow Wolf. Movies, shows, and video games, podcast books, and their acclaims. Let their favorite content become yours. It's the Content Clearing House. Content Clearing House. And it starts right now. Nick. Josh. How are you? I am slightly booster shotted, but doing okay. Are you feeling under the weather a little bit from it? A, a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I just feel weird. I always feel kind of weird. So maybe that's just my background. Um, being it's Baseline. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. It's, it's only been probably eight hours or so. So it probably shouldn't kick in. I didn't feel anything on the first couple of shots, though, either at all. So I'd be surprised. If yeah, I, I got something. a... I had no side effects. I got the Pfizer and uh, Pfizer shot, and I have any side effects from either one. So I feel like I got away really lucky because I've heard. I hear it can be pretty gnarly if it does hit you. Yeah, I know Heather. So I had the Pfizer for the first two shots. I got the Moderna booster, but um, I was actually a little like I wanted some symptoms just to, to like be certain that I didn't get like some some nurse who was like ha 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 saline. Um, <laughs> you want to make sure you're cool like everybody else that got sick from their booster shots yeah you're not cool unless you pee your pants what's that reference to <laughs> it's billy madison <laughs> if peeing your pants is cool consider me miles davis man that was such an innocent era before this whole booster shot <laughs> extravaganza we're all living in now yeah uh there's a whole different baseline for coolness now and it is all about how poorly your immune system handles things. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, yeah, so other than that, you, you look like you're sitting in a whole new location. I'm assuming that every time I talk to you, you're probably going to be at a different spot, right? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Uh, we are now in Florida. I'm actually sitting at my mother's sewing table uh, with a really crappy nice. chair that hurts my back. So that's, uh, that's Well, fun. we'll try to make this quick for you. Uh, man, you guys really, you guys really, uh, get around in that Vicara bus, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a long, we actually did 10 hours. Was that, that was just yesterday. It was a ten, the last 10 hour leg. We're going to be in Florida for the next, uh, five or six weeks. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that all calms down a little bit. We will be hopping between cities here and there, but, uh, much shorter drives. Man, it really does seem cool. Like what you and Brett do. But I got to tell you, the very idea of you guys' uh, home life existence, it kind of fills me with anxiety, all that, mainly because of all the planning that has to go into it. Brett's talked to me about mm -hmm. how much planning he used to have to do at his old job just to make sure that every two weeks the Airstream was moved to the correct city and then he had purchase his return tickets to fly back to the correct city. And then they had like a whole plan where they were going to go while they were off from work. It was insane. It's so much, uh, so much planning and, and forethought that goes into it, which I don't have to deal with here in suburbia, <laughs> which you guys have mocked me for in the past. That's, I mean, they're trade-offs and uh, I will say Brett and Bree definitely took it to a whole nother level with the, um, being pilots and, and flight attendants and flying in and out of different cities. Uh, at least we can, more or less make our own schedule. I mean, we still have to plan around it, but we don't have certain, uh, you know, places we always have to be or every couple of weeks. So that, that's, that's a whole different level that they, that they rock it. That's absolute insanity. But, uh, it's definitely the kind of thing that people truly do live vicariously through. Cause it's just like such an awesome lifestyle you guys have. Yeah. Cause everything that you see on Instagram is an exact, uh, re uh representation of how we live. We put yeah, I think that's all the stuff a, on there Calvin Hobbs. 
you know, there's Calvin and Hobbes joke about that, about how he would, uh, he was creating a false narrative about his life by taking pictures of himself, like sitting in a clean room and everything, just in case he became president one day. <laughs> and it's like the, all, all the mess is just piled up just slightly off frame. That's pretty much a, the perfect analogy for the Instagram lifestyle yep. nowadays. How about you, man? What's been going on? Uh, I've been, man, I live in suburbia. You know, nothing awesome ever happens to me. Uh, yeah. The last cool thing I did was, uh, last week, whenever we went, uh, scuba diving in the aquarium, I was supposed to skydive this last weekend, but I made such a rookie mistake. I had the last day of skydiving planned. I was going to go out and I was going to coach one of my students and I show up and my rig is out of date by like three days. Mm. It's like, uh, I can't even remember the last time I had such like a failure of awareness like that around skydiving. So I was pretty bummed to miss out on that day. And it was pretty big bummer to realize that I'd made that mistake. But uh, now I'm just like, just added one more thing to my checklist of requirements, making sure that everything is taken care of when I go skydive. So should not ever happen again. Sorry, anyone who was affected by that. (laughs) How many jumps do you have? Do you have any idea? Uh, I think probably like around 8,000 jumps. I, uh, oh, I don't have a logbook anymore. Yeah. In fact, I don't really even know how to use my logbook on my altimeter. I mean, I know how to kind of access it, but it doesn't really track all my jumps. So now whenever I show up at a drop zone, I'm usually like, I don't have a logbook, but uh, I think I know some of these people. So they'll probably <laughs> tell you that I'm a skydiver. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then they, it hasn't been a problem yet, but I can just imagine maybe one day showing up somewhere that we don't, won't let me skydive because I don't have anything logged. Yeah, I feel like um, if you talk the talk of someone who's done 8,000 jumps, it's pretty obvious Like you're not just making that shit up. Um, Hopefully. Yeah, I would yeah, think. I, I don't know. Maybe. I hope it seems that way. Of course, I am the guy who showed up with his rig out of date, so <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do I know? Good point, good point. <laughs> so uh what do you have for off top today buddy well um i thought tonight we would get a little meta and seriously right. what i mean by that is we will log into robin hood and buy us some meta oh oh great <laughs> <laughs> all right we're using your money right yeah yeah so uh technically i guess we would have to be buying facebook right now uh facebook stock um but for those who don't know uh, what I'm actually talking about is the new name of the Mark Zuckerberg Ding Dong parent company. <laughs> See, I did a little Shamalama Ding Dong. It didn't blow as well. Callback. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Mr. Zuckerberg announced that uh, Facebook or the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, Oculus, and all those other uh, surveillance social manipulation programs uh, will now be called Meta, and the reason for that is because. He wants to go full bore all into the metaverse. Uh, have you? I thought it's because they're going to break down the fourth wall and just come into your house, just start telling you what to look at. Pretty much. Um, I don't blame him for this move because uh, I really do think it probably will be the next big technology uh, that, oh, you know, yeah. that that radically changes society. Um, I think metaverse will be just as uh, you know a part of a ling- our lingo as the internet has become. Um, and even though I don't blame him, I kind of wish he wasn't the one spearheading this. Um, I don't think I want his brand or ambitions all, uh, all up in that. Um, kind of agree. I do love this idea though. I mean, this is basically like the first step towards ready player one. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish it wasn't associated with Facebook, but you know, one good thing that's come out of it so far that I haven't been tracking it super deeply, but Apparently, Oculus, uh, which is the VR headset I own, now does not require you to log in with Facebook, which is, I think that's a step in the right direction because a lot of people that just hate Facebook or don't have Facebook accounts couldn't use the Oculus Quest, which is like the most affordable VR headset you can get. And now that's kind of opened up for people uh, from what I've read. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Uh, I... I had a Facebook account, but when I when I got so I have the same I have the Quest too, the same as you. When I got it, I didn't want to use my account, so I just created a new account. Actually, that's where your drifting at gmail.com uh, came from. Ah, that old classic email. Yeah, 
You're gonna get um, start getting blown up with uh, yeah, our listeners. I just, now. I just said that, didn't I? Out loud. Just kidding. It's That's not time. a real email address. All seventeen of you, please don't email me at once. It'll crash through those <laughs> oh, servers. Oh man. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I that's sort of a. I wonder why they would do that now. Uh, like I said, I didn't hear that they were doing that. I was curious. Um. So yeah, the metaverse. Uh, you kind of have an idea what what it is. I I obviously do. Um, maybe not everybody listening really understands that term. And probably partially because it's not really a clear, defined thing just yet. Um, there's probably a few different it's a sci-fi ways. concept. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, that's absolutely where it originated. Uh, the term actually first—I uh, think it first appeared in uh, one of my favorite books, uh, the cyberpunk classic uh, *Snow Crash* by Neil Stevenson. Are you a *Snow Crash* fan? Have you read that? I haven't read it. I aware of all of the its influence on the world of sci-fi and cyberpunk but i haven't read it okay uh as far as cyberpunk goes that is a huge recommendation um and it has uh the the main character has one of the best names i think of any um <laughs> characters it's, it's so in your face his name is hero protagonist <laughs> yeah that's great um, so i've always wondered like what it, what it was it with that name in snow crash like is that like ironic in snow crash or do they play it straight uh they play it straight um that's just more that's almost like a breaking through the fourth wall kind of thing i think that's just a little jab neil stevenson's throwing at us um because neil he stevenson zuckerberg in you yes he's uh uh in the book he is a hero protagonist so i mean well straight up <laughs> <laughs> it works at least he's not the bad guy right uh so yeah that's what that's where i first heard the term um there's a bit of a metaverse in johnny mnemonic another uh recommendation for me what i think you haven't seen right or read i haven't seen it yet yeah that's uh i think i mentioned that in my point break uh episode that's actually my favorite keanu movie um whoa yeah precisely whoa um (laughs) actually that came out a little bit more like every time i try to do a keanu Whoa, it comes out like Joey from uh, Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably don't want to go down that route, but they are very similar. You're walking a fine line. Mm, yeah, let's just, let's just leave that thread alone and continue <laughs> on to the metaverse. So for anybody who hasn't uh, come across the term or doesn't really know uh, what we're talking about, um, like I said, it first originated in Snow Crash, at least that's the first place it was written. Um you can think of it as uh, a, a full-scale, fully populated VR space, um, sort of like a replica world in which you know you can interact with anyone and more or less do any real-world real-world stuff and um, uh, things you can't do in the real world. Um, just think of a huge open space, um, perhaps not just a single space, but different spaces you can travel in and out of and uh, heavily VR-focused. However, some of the initial attempts to do something like this um, were... uh, Did you ever play, or are you familiar with Second Life? I did not play it. Um, It's a little much to ask me to go and be social with people online, (laughs) because I usually go play games to just hang out with the two or three people that I want to talk to online. Yeah. Uh, so that did not appeal to me, but what I have played is VR chat. And, uh, did, have you played VR chat on your, uh, on your headset? I want to say Which I, is, I, I checked it out briefly, but I didn't get too involved. That's what I did too. And, uh, what I'm hoping for the metaverse is that it's not something like VR chat. Cause it's just, basically people running around with like insane avatars uh just to me i was just annoyed the whole time i was in there so i'm really curious because i haven't looked into the metaverse so much you know other than the name change that the idea is coming up but is there like a focus that he's going to be building into it to you know like a is it for gaming? Is it for shopping? Is it for socializing? Or is it just all of it? Is it all encompassing under like one umbrella? I think he's probably leaning towards the all encompassing sort of approach or um, 
this level of it, but I think what he's mostly talking about, which he which he normally mostly talks about, is connecting the world through social experiences. I think he's still using that same kind of rhetoric. Um, but I, I, th- I think he's been mostly vague at this point. I mean, it's still early. Uh, he obviously, you know, he the, when they bought Oculus what a couple of years ago for at the time it seemed out like an outrageous uh, amount of money for such a um, nascent company. But uh, I think he's ha- he's had his eye on this ball for a while now, and uh, this is not a new plan. Um, now we we're talking about the different kind of ways you can look at a metaverse. I think most kind of purists want something that would be more. Uh, almost like a protocol level where uh, just like how the internet works on HTTP and the web protocols, um, similar kind of a concept for what we could do with metaverse. Whereas it's not just run by one company. It's not this one thing you log into. It's, it's interoperable. It's, you know, you could travel from place to place. And I think a lot of purists want it to go like that. But like you mentioned in uh, like ready player one and Oasis, that's, that's really run by a single company and, in a lot of ways, has has the ego of a single guy written all over it. Um, I, I feel like that's more the route we'll see Meta uh, go with it. Um, he has that does seem likely. Yeah, he has he has said that he wants it to be open and or maybe open source. I'm not really sure exactly how he phrased that, but he, he does claim that it wants to, he wants it to be sort of that that interoperable approach, and it's not just a Facebook property. I don't know if I fully believe that unless he's just all of a sudden decided, you know, uh, having all the money in the world and, and world domination is no longer his main focus. And he's just, that like, sounds like every billionaire I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So I, I, I suspect it'll be more of an Oasis like kind of thing. Um, at least in the beginning, uh, they're not the only one. I mean, a lot of people have thought about doing this kind of stuff. Uh, so, like I said, Second Life was kind of an early thing, and that was that predated VR. Um, it was actually oh yeah, that's that, old. Yeah, it was created in two thousand three, and it's actually kind of fizzled out over the last I don't know four or five years. And went the way of MySpace. Yeah, I think Tom. Tom was the main guy <laughs> in, in yeah. Second Life too. Everybody just wanted to go hang out with Tom, and that just uh, that just wasn't enough to keep it going. There's another one. Everyone's first friend. <laughs> yeah, good old Tom. I still can. I can still picture. You, I can still see his face. Don't you? Don't oh yeah, remember. looking over his left shoulder <laughs> with a, whatever, like real boring, like blank wall behind him. I'm so glad that the uh, Mark, uh, robot-looking Zuckerberg, didn't do that to us, and that like we had to have an image of him giving us a human-like stare over his shoulder ingrained into our brains. Yes, he has his own particular brand of the robot chick where he drinks water, (laughs) drinks like eight molecules of water at once Mm -hmm. so as to not short out his circuit boards. Yeah. um, I honestly would not be surprised if we found out either we are in like sort of a, a lame simulation and he's like, he's like the main character robot guy, or he actually is just a robot. There's just something strange about him. Um, Would you feel like this is a particularly lame s- simulation? Because uh, if this is a simulation, I feel like it's pretty badass, actually. All right, yeah, the, I don't the mean the fact that things, the fact th- the fact that things like MySpace and Tom from MySpace and just lame <laughs> things arise. I feel like you would, if the simulation was deep enough, you would get things like that because you'd have billions and billions of interactive users and they be all coming up with their own their own ideas and some of them are bad yeah no i mean I, I will take that i'll walk that back a little bit i don't mean so much as our experience in here is lame as it uh, rather that if the whole point of the simulation is for that main character maybe he's he's, he's the only real player uh, that would be kind of lame that's all oh, no you think we're all npcs yeah and we're, we're that would be first. weak yeah Oh, can you imagine? Disappointing. Yeah, I'd be with you on that one. Yep. But anyways, uh, no, no matter how it comes about and ultimately manifests, uh, as I mentioned before, I am for one certain the metaverse is coming, and I actually look forward to the day where I can lay down, jack in, and leave this boring reality behind to disappear in a fully 
surveilled fantasy land where I can make, <laughs> spend, and gamble my zuck bucks away to my heart's content. <laughs> oh, man. Just the branding. I, I am not looking forward to the day we replace dollars with zuck bucks. That is not appealing at all. Well, something I'm... Man, I'm kind of like torn about it too because I think the idea is awesome. I think that the more VR applications there are, the more mainstream VR becomes. It's, it's that's just such an awesome progression for the human race because VR is an amazing technology. The, the like all of the corporate fingerprints all over everything, especially Facebook's, which I mean, Facebook is hugely problematic and, you know, it's just all of their security breaches and everything of all, you know, it's just so many issues with that company over the years. But at the same time, I will admit that I still like scrolling through Facebook and finding Red Bull videos. Like I kind of use, when I hear people talk about like social media, how you know, it's it just like kind of facilitates anger and mm-hmm. and arguments. I always think like, man, these people are using social media completely wrong. What yeah. I do is I go, I friend people, but almost everyone, if you are not a content producer, I immediately unfollow. Like I don't I don't look at anyone's personal life or anything on right. social media. If somebody posts something personal, I'm usually like, okay, this is not why I'm on here, and mm-hmm. I unfollow them. So now, like, my feed, same thing on Instagram, is just, like, curated content. It's just, like, videos and skydiving and drones and all the things I think are interesting, and, I, you know, I can watch them. But I don't ever interact with anyone on a personal level or post pictures about, like, my personal life. Maybe if I do, like, skydiving or something, I put that on there. Yeah. So – to me, that side of it, I've never really experienced getting angry about social media because I just don't use it that way. Uh, so I don't know, kind of conflicted about the whole thing. I, I love the idea of there being an oasis, even if it is ruled by an evil, I, I don't know if genius is the right word. Mm. But something I do hope is that headsets, VR headsets become lighter, and I'm sure they will in the future. But like mine, the Oculus Quest is pretty lightweight, and after using it for an hour, my neck hurts because I already have such a bad neck from years and years of having a bad neck. <laughs> so that's something I'm looking forward to is like where it's just like a pair of sunglasses or yeah. an augmented reality setup. That that's those are the days I'm really waiting for. Yeah, I think there's a, uh, uh, I think there's some pretty interesting stuff in the pipeline. They teased a little bit uh, or some headsets. Uh, Meta did or Facebook, or whatever you want to call them right now, uh, that should be coming up next year. Yeah. Uh, Apple supposedly has their uh, AR stuff in the works. God, and can't wait for that. Yeah, that that should be a pretty good product, I would imagine. I can't imagine uh, Apple would come out with some kind of half-assed flop. That's just not their speed, so it no, may take a while. They're going to make sure it is completely dialed in before they release it. What I really hate seeing lately is the uh, ads for like smart glasses and then like, oh, is it finally here? And you click on it. It's like, these glasses play music. Like, that's not very smart. Yeah. I already have like eight pieces of technology that do that. Why do I need that in my eye protection also? (laughs) Right. That is not the smart glass experience I'm looking for right now. Yep. But it's, uh, no, I I agree. Uh, I, I do look forward to those. Those real nice, comfortable uh, long-lasting, high-fidelity uh, systems that that you can just put on and and literally spend an entire day to weekend and just forget about the real world. Uh, maybe get a like an IV or something. And what's that? Uh, what is it? The Bruce Willis movie, uh, Replicants or something? Is it Replicants? Uh, God, what is that movie? I know what you're talking about. Um. It is surrogates. 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 Yes. yes. Like that. I really less, like that. Yeah. Less dystopian. I think it had a sort of a. I think most most uh, content that that goes down the let's put our whole lives into VR um, uh, landscape is pretty dystopian. Maybe there's well, that's a, a dystopian idea. Is it? I mean, yeah. I mean, everyone being. Everyone being like physically isolated 
and having their own personalized experience that can be anything. I mean, it's just, if that was the way the world was, eventually the outside world would actually start sliding into disarray and disrepair. And you would have like these resistance groups, people that operate only in the real world. Man, there's like, there's so much dystopian content to mine from that. And I think it's pretty, uh, I think it's a pretty realistic scenario to think that if that's the route we go where there is no balance, then eventually we're going to get into some sort of dystopian sci-fi future scenario. Yeah, that does, that does sound pretty inevitable, um, actually. Well, on that note, what's on your content circuit? Anything new this week? Uh, not a whole lot. I, uh, I did get a nine-hour podcast session in. Uh, yesterday on the drive down so that was nice played a lot of catch up uh i am watching something that may have never been discussed uh a genre that has oh. probably never come up on content clearing house and that is that is the world series of sports ball oh, oh <laughs> man i thought you were watching content <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's uh it's not a typical thing for me these days so uh what I am talking about is the World Series of Baseball. Uh, I probably haven't watched it in, I don't know, 10 years. When I was a kid, I played baseball for 10 years. Uh, I was a big baseball guy. I loved it. I was a huge uh, Braves fan in Atlanta uh, growing up. Family's big Braves fan, all of them. And uh, I happened to be at my dad's house up in Atlanta um, the last few days uh, while the World Series was playing. And Atlanta is in the World Series. And they were winning the World Series or are winning the World Series. Oh, that's so, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was kind of neat to get back into it. He, like I said, he's a big fan, and uh, they the Braves won the World Series back in '95, and I was 15. And me and my brother, and actually a couple of my friends, were at the house. And my dad got so excited uh, when they won, like the final play, he jumped up and like smashed the blinds. And that's just like one of our <laughs> one of our uh, greatest memories from uh, middle child middle childhood or middle uh, teenage years. Uh, so it was good to to see him or get to hang out with him watching watching that again, uh, even though it's not. That know, is pretty awesome. Yeah, not something. Yeah, I've never been again. never been a sports guy really at all. Like at least like mainstream sports. I was always into like counterculture sports growing up, like skating and things like that. And uh, I gotta admit, baseball has always seemed like the most boring of all of them. <laughs> so. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't. I don't get why it's appealing. I get that people like it, yeah. but to me, it like doesn't even register. So uh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you just said how awesome it wasn't, so I don't know if I believe that last statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it has its place. I, uh, Indeed, <laughs> I don't know if I'll you know watch it for another decade unless some kind of similar set of. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I like that people don't get also, so like, don't like, take it too personally. Like Megan is missing, and oh, I did not say I liked that. <laughs> no, that's true. Good point. Well, I've been uh, I've been playing uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which is the follow up to Ghost Recon Wildlands, which I talked to. I talked about on this show as being one of my favorite video games of all time. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting to lean towards Breakpoint, which is just the, uh, it's the sequel being my favorite video game of all time. And tomorrow, the day after this recording, they're dropping a huge expansion for the game. That is essentially an entire new single player campaign. And, uh, that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing for the next two weeks, probably as far as content consumption goes. So I am looking forward to that. And if you don't get it, just think about video games as being Josh's baseball. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to get into some content. Welcome back to the Content Clearinghouse. Nick, any guesses? Uh, seven. <laughs> you wish. So let me, uh, you know what we do here. I'm going to ask you a question, and uh, this may be rhetorical. I don't know if you'll be able to come up with an answer for this, but let's Ooh. see what you got. What do you feel is the definitive human experience? 
the definitive human experience. I said this could be rhetorical, so if you don't have an answer, that's fine. I prepared an answer. But (laughs) I, I... I think I would like to try to stumble through an answer. All right. That's what I was hoping you would do. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to try to reason through this. Uh, What was it? It was distinguishing human experience. What was it? The definitive human experience. Human experience. All right. So I'm thinking take off anything that other animals could, uh, you know, experience. I'll take that that off the plate. Uh, does that get rid of all emotion? Hmm. I don't know. I might leave emotion things on the plate for now. Uh, probably things that... Hmm, I, maybe something that requires technology. Ooh, good. Yes, check. Oh, all right. I like the uh, way you're going. Okay. So something that, you know, cavemen wouldn't be doing. So I guess even though they might have been human. Uh, I'm going to go with... Meta. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, creating a giant megacorp just to prove how awesome you are. That's got man. Be. I think you nailed it. <laughs> I think you nailed it. There it is, folks. Mark Zuckerberg is one of the only humans on this planet. But uh, what I feel is that it has to be something collaborative, something creative, mm-hmm. artistic maybe, technology like you're saying. And uh, I've had several experiences that only humans are privy to, things like skydiving and uh, theme parks, mm. museums. I think consuming content probably falls into this category, but that's become a little rote in the context of this show. Mm. But I've never had an experience like what I'm going to talk about today. And uh, while this might not be the only thing that falls into the definitively human experience category, because how could there only be one thing? It's a ridiculous question in the first place. But it is something that you could hold up to an alien as an example of what makes humans so unique in this universe. And I think you might have some thoughts about this, because today I'm talking about Meow Wolf. Oh, man. What a great place or set of places now. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what you got. Indeed. Well, I wouldn't typically consider something like this to be content. Uh, Meow Wolf is a walkthrough experience that, like you said, is only accessible in a few places on Earth. But the reason I think it qualifies for this show, other than, you know, what we're doing lately is trying to shake up the formula. Yeah. it's the backstory that goes into Meow Wolf. Like, there's so much supplementary content and information and gameplay and story that goes into this place that I can't really consider it to be anything else. So I was looking into what is Meow Wolf. I did a lot of uh, research on that. And I'm going to have a lot of links that I'm probably just going to put in the show notes under Meow Wolf Research because there's a lot of them. But um, when I first heard about Meow Wolf, it was from my buddy Nate. And uh, he told me about this place he went in Santa Fe that was basically a house. And in this house, it was like a normal mundane house. And in the house, there was a laundry machine that you opened. And inside that was a chute that you would slide down into this basically like crazy art exhibit. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything else about it. But needless to say, that definitely piqued my interest because that idea is awesome. So I was looking into the history of Meow Wolf. And Meow Wolf was the brainchild of this one guy, Vince Kudlebeck. He's the CEO and co-founder of the company. And uh, there are several other people. I'm going to list all their names right now because if uh, I had been part of something like this, I would want to hear somebody say my name in association with it because it's really awesome. Yeah. So the other the other, other uh, co-founders were Sean Diani, Matt King, Corvus Brinkerhoff, Emily Montoya, Katie Kennedy, and Benji Geary. And uh, everyone that is involved in Meow Wolf, you're now welcome. <laughs> so it Meow Wolf is a self-described collective of Santa Fe artists that was formed in 2008 with the goal of supplying Santa Fe with an alternate art and music venue. And they've said that their mission statement is to inspire creativity through art, exploration, and play that so that imagination will transform the world. And at the very first meeting, everyone put a scrap of paper into a hat with one word on it, and the first two words drawn were combined to create the name Meow Wolf. I just got to oh. say, 
random chance, you really nailed it this time because Meow Wolf is about the best name for anything ever, and I totally love it. That's very interesting. I never actually, I don't know why I never considered where that name came from. It is, it, like you're kind of saying, it's just so fitting, even though it really it's has so good. nothing to do with it. <laughs> and I love how it's not descriptive at all about what Meow Wolf actually is. You know, yeah. it's it's like the it's like uh, the perfect uh, like iconographic name. It's just a really cool like series of syllables. Oh, it's great. So from uh, 2008 to 2014, they worked on several small projects and installations around Santa Fe, but they had their sights on something much larger. So the first thing that they built was the Santa Fe Meow Wolf location. This is the one that I had heard of, and uh, they're. Their grand designs caught the eye of a notable Santa Fe resident, George R.R. R. Martin, who became an investor in the company. So he invested $2.7 million to renovate and lease a vacant bowling alley to create the first permanent facility for Meow Wolf. And that first permanent installation was built in 2015. They had a 20,000 square foot uh, location and they built what's called the House of Eternal Return. Have you been here? Have you been to Santa Fe? Yep. Yeah, that's the first one I went to. Well, I'm going to just kind of go through a little bit of the uh, information about it, but then you should tell me a little bit about your experience there because I'd love to hear like firsthand account of someone who had been there. Yeah. So the uh, the House of Eternal Return became their flagship location. It has a storyline based on the fictional Selig family who disappeared after experimenting with interdimensional travel by tapping into a mysterious force known as the Anomaly. And uh, their their objective was to bring back deceased family members. And this caused the house to fracture open paths to alternate dimensions. And there's also a secret government organization called the Charter that was able to contain the anomaly's effects. And they pass off that containment warehouse as the art installation. So the building and then the house that's within. There's basically like when you first enter it, you're presented with uh, what appears to be a full-scale Victorian home with a front porch and a, a yard and mailbox, like the whole thing. And it appears to be a real house on the inside too, at least from what I've read. You've been there. You can tell me if that's true. Mm-hmm. Except various innocuous appliances like the washing machine or the fridge are portals to other worlds. And uh, also there are various doors that open up into larger, expansive parts of the exhibit. In fact, this concept of secret doors leading to magical wonderlands has kind of become a hallmark of the Meow Wolf experience. Is that pretty accurate to what you what you saw when you were there? Yeah, it's been a couple of years. I don't remember all the details, but I do recall entering uh, into the house. It does look like a house. So it's it's a house like like you said, it's built in a bowling alley, an old bowling alley, or. Um, so, you know, you don't see the sky or anything. I think they had some kind of effect. I don't really remember. But you really have a, the facade of a house. You go in. It feels like an old house. And then, then yeah, you start taking these paths through there. that Or portals, I guess, is the perfect word. Um, that take you to these just very creative, uh, very tactile, uh, very sensory-heavy spaces that you don't necessarily know the story as you're going through it. It depends on how deep you look at everything. Um, I think you can go as deep as you want or uh, really just kind of walk through it and looking at it more like an art art piece. Um, and I just remember not, re- not really having any clue what we were getting into. I knew it was art-based, uh, but just being having my mind blown by some of the creativity, some of the just out, out there sort of... Uh, let me put it this way. If if I disappeared into a metaverse, uh, I would want it to kind of look like this. Um, not very reality-based or reality-tangential. Um, just, but just really incredible uh, attention to detail and just uh, such a variety of just interesting stuff that yeah, just unlike any, any other place I've ever seen. Yeah, indeed. Like the Meow, Meow Wolf has been described as part art exhibit, part amusement park, part movie set, and part play space. And they've also said that it's a performance art piece where everyone who attends is part of the show. And that is just, that's all description of, of just the Santa Fe location. And there's also the Las Vegas location, the Quantum Mart. Have you been there? 
No, no. Is that one? Is that one completed? I wasn't even sure if that one was done yet. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was announced in 2018, but they opened it early. Well, I guess early this year. So mm. who knows? Uh, I don't know how how far you guys travel in your uh, <laughs> carefree lifestyle. You know, your your home with wheels. But uh, yeah, in uh, early this year, the Quantum Art opened in Las Vegas, and Quantum Art is it's a 52,000 square foot multi-sensory grocery store that blends narrative storytelling, technical wizardry, and commerce in an experience that examines American consumerism and corporate responsibility. That sounds like a lot of boilerplate speak. But uh, that's, you know, if, if it sounds like a very well-written description, it's probably because I stole it directly from their wiki page. Right. But uh, the idea for this fictional grocery store containing untold numbers of insane and fantastical products was actually a reused concept from one of their early projects in 2012, where they hired around a thousand artists to create the products their house on the shelf of Omega Mart. And the storyline here seems to be a bit more under wraps than the Santa Fe location probably because it's it's newer, but there is a timeline associated with all the bizarre products that stretches back hundreds of thousands of years and and everything in the, the store may be a clue to the overarching mystery. Uh, like if you think if you think something you're seeing might be related to the story, they recommend that you take a picture because basically it's just full the place is full of clues. And I couldn't find a ton about that story, but I did find some descriptions of the distinct locations within the exhibit. So there's the Omega Mart, which is a grocery shopping experience like no other. Omega Mart is stocked with more than 100 custom items, all with the uncanny ability to fulfill shoppers' desires. And then there is the Dromcore offices, and Dromcore is the parent company to Omega Mart. And as you'll apparently find out, they're hiding a secret if you dig deep into the storyline there. There's the factory, which is a multi-level playground, and the factory is, is where Dromcore produces its mysterious proje- uh, products. And then the projected desert, which is this light color sound space. It's a, basically a, a sensory uh, experience for visitors. Needless to say, it's all like extremely high concept art projects. It's like it's almost it almost defies comprehension. And if you've been to any of these Meow Wolf locations, you'll understand just the the visuals on display, it's all like technicolor. Everything is highly detailed. You can touch anything, which is one of the coolest things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just the, it, the freedom that I experienced when I went to Meow Wolf here in Denver was unlike anything else that I've ever experienced as, as far as human displays go on. Because usually there are places you're not supposed to go and stuff you're not supposed to touch. And I did not experience anything like that whenever I went to the Denver location. It's kind of like uh, the the open world concept of, you know, kind of how some video games are going these days, put into the real world. It's an open world art exhibit. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. And then there's the uh, Convergence Station, which is the Denver location. This is their biggest spot. It's 90,000 square feet, uh, the building, with 60,000 square feet of exhibit space. And the story here in Denver at Convergence Station is there is a there was a cosmic event that merged four worlds from different universes, causing the residents of those worlds to lose their memories. And the Quantum Department of Transportation, the QDOT, allows the visitors to move amongst these different worlds within the Convergence. And the four worlds are uh, that you can visit here in Denver are Sea Street, the Ossuary, Emia, and Numina. So these are all ones that I have experience with. And so I'm going to be talking a lot about these and you've seen these too. So I imagine you'll probably have some thoughts as well, mm-hmm. but uh, C street is, it's like a world consisting of Hong Kong back alleyways with just numerous fully interactive and visitable storefronts. Like we found this crazy pizza parlor. We found a, ta- a tattoo shop. There was a movie theater that we visited and watched this crazy, just bizarre cartoon, cartoon that was completely out of context. Mm-hmm. I can't really, really even recall what it was because there was so much sensory overload at this place. And uh, then there's the ossuary, which is a, it's like a high tech sci-fi underground mining world with the residents mine these crystals that are growing from the walls. And this, this world featured many clean, high-tech, vivid rooms. Like the main room looked like some sort of spaceship lobby. And then uh, Emia 
This world features a giant ice palace style structure that totally dominated its space. It looked like something that would be a burning man with all its psychedelic colors. And there was a giant spinnable wheel within the center of the palace that changed the constellations on the ceiling. And apparently if you spin it like in a certain sequence, it opens up like a wormhole on the ceiling. Oh, and outside that castle, there's this giant robot that you can climb into and push all the buttons and operate the levers. And then finally, the fourth world was uh, Numina, and it's described as a character and a universe, a living sentient universe, not unlike our own, but unlike our own in many ways. So this place appears to be like an underground cavern, but everything looked like it was made of flesh. It was very organic, but it also looked like a cave, like it looked kind of like a growing cave. And this is by far, in my opinion, the most colorful and imaginative area, although I'd say if there was only one place I'd spend most of my time, it would probably be C Street because it's so dense and so layered with details. What did you think about, uh, did you have like a certain spot that you were like really into when you were there? Yeah, I was trying to think of it as you were uh, listening to the different um, sections. Uh, I would, would definitely agree with the uh, i don't remember the, besides c street i could i don't i don't even know if i even noticed the names of the other ones um the one that was kind of like the organic cave like one definitely struck a chord with me uh it may, it may not be the right term but it more than well i don't know actually this might i was going to say it, it more than anywhere else um maybe just think about how much work went into this but really every every bit of it all I kept thinking was like how much time and uh, you know just work and creativity they had they had to put into this. Um, the experience was a little bit different being my second one, kind of having having an idea of what to expect. You know, it's, it's a different story. It's kind of laid out different. It's way larger scale than the Santa Fe one. Um, so that that sort of initial shock or just uh, having your mind blown a little bit feeling wasn't there and I think I spent more time just in awe of the work and the creativity uh, that, that went behind it and just tried to just tried to feel immersed in it I think that's I think that's one of the draws of it and I think they did a really good job at the Denver one making you feel like you're somewhere else um, yeah indeed especially C Street that felt like such a real place mm-hmm. yeah that it kind of reminded me, um, I agree uh, with the, the sort of the Hong Kong back alley sentiment, but it reminded me of some of the streets in um, Total Recall, the original, a little bit. Yeah. Kind of gave me that or like the, uh Or like the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from the, yeah. the early 90s, just like the dirty New York streets. It just seems so real. There were places in C Street where I was like, I don't want to touch the walls here, even <laughs> though I know yeah. this is all like set dressing. But it's, uh, I mean, it's incredible that they put this place together during COVID. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. this kind of place, I can't believe it exists in the first place, let alone that it was created during the most restrictive and inconvenient national emergency in modern times. You know, it's, uh, I think that's a wonder unto itself. And Meow Wolf said they sold 35,000 tickets in the first 24 hours they were available to purchase. I know that I had been waiting when I heard Meow Wolf was coming to Denver, I'd been waiting for months and months. And I didn't buy buy my tickets the first day, but when we did buy our tickets, it was probably two or three weeks in, we had to buy them months out in advance wow. for when we could actually go. But I want to talk about like some of the crazy things that I saw there. So the first thing, we already talked about a little bit, but the, the secret doors everywhere. It seemed like you could push and pull and interact with everything that you could see. Like one door that we found was hidden behind a soap dispenser in a laundromat on C Street. And then behind it was like, it was like a black and white striped room with crystals growing out of the wall. It was just completely just random what was back there. But uh, we were just playing with the, playing with like the soap dispenser coin changers and then kachunk, the door opened up. And that kind of interactivity really made me feel like I wasn't in an exhibit at all. But like you said, it felt like a real place. You know, it's, it was that total lack of trappings from a typical human experience that was so striking to me about this place. And uh, I feel like that that's a weird concept to be able to go in and like touch and 
play with anything, especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. But that was the part that made it seem like it was like a real life video game. You know, it didn't seem like it didn't seem like I was at a theme park or an attraction of any type. It seemed like I was at a place where, you know, there's just like, okay, the only rule is don't burn this place down and you do whatever you want. You know, that's what it yeah. seemed like in there. Yeah. I find I'm, I'm really drawn to this style. Well, not, not, I guess this style, but anything that, that really gives you a fully immersive sort of, you're in a different place kind of experience. Even, even things like Disney world and, um, universal and you know kind of the larger theme parks that put a lot into the the aesthetics of the entire place to make you feel like you're somewhere else that's that's a feeling i definitely seek out um and also a feel the same thing i think that will, will draw me towards a really well done metaverse is is that full immersive experience and uh the twist the twist they put on it uh in the meow wolf world is uh, it's definitely quite unique, and uh, I don't know. You could throw a lot of uh, hyperbole about it, but I mean, it really is mind blowing. Some of the stuff in there. How did you feel like it was different from something like Disney World? Because I've only been to, I think I was went to Epcot once, and I was not hugely impressed by it. Mm. But I haven't been to Disney World, so I haven't seen like the full experience. How how do you feel like Meow Wolf differs from that? Is it just more interactive? Yeah, I think that I think that'd probably be the best way to to separate them. Um, I I guess when I'm saying like the the theme parks like Disney World stuff, probably the actual Magic Kingdom itself has the least of it. Um, Some of the newer attractions, especially the thing I haven't been to this one, but I would imagine the Star Wars one um, section is it's quite uh, involved and. Uh, you know, they try to make every bit of it feel like a different place. Um, so, yeah, I would say the interaction and sort of the the acid trippy kind of uh, aspect of it you don't really get that. Indeed, or you kind very of psychedelic. <laughs> yes. So one of the cooler things in there was there were these payphones all over the place that were interactive. Like several phone numbers were listed on the payphones. And uh, they allowed you to call all over the exhibit. And uh, one of the coolest things that happened was I was walking by two separate phones that just randomly rung, and I picked them up and I had conversations with people that were somewhere else in the building. And these conversations basically boiled down to, can you believe how crazy this is? And where are you? You know, it's like so boring. Uh, it wasn't really the content that made those combos so cool, mm-hmm. but just the randomness of the timing. You know, there's so much going on in there. And these phones two times rang right as I was passing by. And the fact that I could answer them at all or even call other locations in the building, that that all was just amazing level of interactivity and is really just kind of scratching the surface. Like I found a room that was a, a QR code room with hundreds of QR codes that every single one of them was scan it, scannable and they all went to different pages. But there were two highlighted QR codes in the middle which I scanned and I saved the links and I'll share those in the show notes. If you want to see some of the kind of crazy stuff that's that you can link to there and uh, found a house of mirrors, which I had never actually been in one of those before. And it was surprisingly disorienting. Did you find the house of mirrors? Yes, I had, uh, I had some trouble in there. I've been having some vestibular issues anyway. <laughs> and once I yeah. got kind of lost in there, <laughs> I had to like basically close my eyes and feel my way out. <laughs> it was, it was pretty intense. Yeah, uh, my daughter Isla dr- drug us or drug me back into it probably ten times, but I was happy to go in. I was like, "I'll yeah. spend all the time you want in the, in the world here, kid." And then uh, the uh, library of the ossuary was a really cool room that I found that was constructed entirely out of books with an interactive computer terminal, oh, and there yeah. were these manuscripts that you could page through and learn more about the world. I mean, you could spend dozens of hours in this place and you could never consume all the content that they've crammed in there. Like every little nook and cranny, there were hidden rooms everywhere. Like just like different styles on display everywhere. You could tell that they allowed individual artists just free reign over the hidden rooms and let them stylize them any way they wanted into these stunning standalone art pieces. 
Like the whole place was an overload of stimulation in really the greatest way. It's the kind of place that I feel like it would take numerous visits to see it all. And the, the inclusion of this overarching mystery seems like uh, it could keep you occupied all day. Like I haven't really gotten into that yet, but I do have a little bit of information on that a little bit later. Did you guys dig into any of the mystery stuff? Uh, we did. It felt a little crowded when we were there. So we, there were a lot of little details. We didn't, I guess, spend as much time kind of reading and, and kind of flipping through, uh, that we might have if we didn't feel as rushed. Um, did you, did you have the, did you get a little, uh, like a plastic cart or what you put, uh, RFID card. Pass. Yeah, did you have yeah. one of those? So we didn't get that. Yeah, so so this it's it's apparently tied to the mystery mm-hmm. and uh I was reading about it beforehand and it said that they will not try to sell you a Q pass. That they don't really try to encourage people to get them. And actually the experience I had was the guy tried to talk me out of it. So uh I just knew I wanted it because I wanted to do as much as I could while I was in there. So I went to the front desk and the guy's like, oh, is this your first time here? Yeah, you don't want a Q pass. It's too much. And I was like, man, give me that Q pass <laughs> guy. Who do you think you Who are? You talking to? So, uh, so it, I think that that's probably kind of uh, part of the game. Right. You know, it's like they want to make sure you really want it if you're going to play the game. But uh, it's the way it works was there are these memory nodes all over the place and you would scan your Q pass and it's reusable every time you go. So I've got mine ready to go. Any, uh, anytime you scan one of these nodes, you access a memory from one of the people of this world. And apparently in the convergence, the uh, memories are used as currency. So you could go to these memory ATMs, you could cash in your memories and you would get like these little short videos. And I came to find out that uh, when I, checked it out when I got home that if you it's like if you collect like three memories of a set you get like a you get this video and it plays and it's basically lays out parts of the mystery like a little cartoon and uh, it, it's it seems really awesome like like uh, like all the other places uh, this place has a storyline running through it and the main story is that people uh, there are these four women who've gone missing and they may have been the people that were actually responsible for the convergence in the first place seems like they might be like four people, one from each one of these worlds that's been brought oh. together in the convergence. And, uh, I didn't know anything about that going in. And now that I think about it, I found various references to missing people and several of the memories that I collected, uh, kind of pointed towards that also. And I remember like in C street seeing these missing uh, missing poster signs. And I even mm-hmm. took a few pictures of them on my phone, but, uh, I think it would be really awesome to kind of like assemble a team to go in there with the, you know, with the express intent of solving the mystery. It kind of be like the, the ultimate live action video game experience to take your, take your people in there and kind of like split up, have objectives and like meet back up and, you know, kind of parse through all the information that you collected. Uh, th- I think that would be like a really fun experience to to do with like people that were all super motivated along those same lines. Sign me up. Yeah, next time we're in Denver, <laughs> I think Heather would be on board with that too. Yeah. And, I, you know, I can kind of see why the guy at the front desk tried to talk me out of digging into the mystery the first time because it really was such an overwhelming sensory overload. And... uh half the time I was just chasing down these memory nodes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is kind of a distraction. And I guess if you're into just going and looking at the, at the, uh, the crazy art and display, it it probably isn't the best choice, but I knew that I wanted to just collect as much information going in as possible. But I would say be mindful going in there that the group that you're going with is all on the same page. Mm -hmm. So you could casually browse this place or you could intentionally explore every little nook and cranny, or you could work to solve the mystery. And I would have loved to have gone with the intention of solving the mystery, but with my family, I think we fell mostly into the browsing category. I knew with my kids, it would probably be impossible to really pursue the story experience. So I did what I could to explore the place and collect memories. And then uh, the uh, Q pass has like a little QR code you can scan at home. And I 
do have some memories, which I'll share in the show notes. So you can kind of see the, uh, the, the stuff that goes into this story. So I, I'll definitely share that. So if people are interested, you can check that out. If you want to do a ton of research like I did before you go into uh, Meow Wolf, that'd be a good place to start. That's interesting. I, uh, if I had any qualms about the difference between Denver and Santa Fe, um, and even so, even though I see how important these little terminals were to the story and, and kind of adding an extra layer, there was something about their appearance to me that kind of took me out of the illusion. I think it was too, I mean, they, they tried to, uh, I think, blend them into the different areas they were. But in a lot of times, I think just having like a, a screen there somehow violated to me the the sort of the nascent sort of everything's just slightly off and not our reality a little bit and it would take me out of that out of that headspace just briefly but you know then again i i think it's a really clever idea what they did with that and and they i guess they're limited by what what can you do with the flat screen uh, it's not like yeah, they're exactly. going to innovate the technology behind that um well, that'd be something but um it was yeah. one of the few examples of like things that we're all familiar familiar with showing up in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can totally see what you're saying with that. So did you? Uh, I had the thought in there um, how bad this place might be if a fire ever broke out. Because uh, <laughs> when I'm yeah. uh, anytime I'm in any building, I'm always thinking about where would I go if something bad happened and. Uh, I mean, this is totally like a building where you could lose people very easily. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was with, uh, we were with both of our daughters and then and uh, me and Melissa were there. So we we're kind of like tag teaming, keeping eyes on them. But I was looking out for Isla, our five-year-old. And I basically had to like tether her to my wrist because a few times I turned around and Melissa was just gone because I had just like gone around a weird corner and it was like, everything is so incongruent and there's mm-hmm. it's hard to tell like where you've, come from or where you were going so um that was uh that was a thought that i had you know that it's it's really as fun as it is it's a place you kind of got to be on the lookout and kind of know where to go know where the stairwells are and stuff like that and uh yeah part of that also was Melissa, like she's extremely practical. Like she said that this is a place you want to visit sooner than later, because the more people that go in there, the dirtier it will become. (laughs) And uh, so, but I think you, you might actually need a little bit of a practical influence going into this place, just so you don't get lost. You know, maybe you need somebody like that. That's going to keep you uh, safety minded and grounded a little bit in reality, because everything else about this place is so just like earth shattering, shattering and strange. Yeah, I, uh, and I was going to say, I I had similar thought. I don't think I uh, explicitly thought about fires, but I do remember at some point looking up and looking for the exit signs and trying to figure out, are these actually really exit signs? Like, would I follow this to get out of here if something happened? Or, <laughs> this is a I trick. I don't even know if I determined if they were real or not in some cases. Um, so well, yeah, there are definitely elevators that don't go down. Yeah. There are elevators that would bring you up to the different floors, but then we waited at one elevator for like five minutes and it never came. Like they just don't go back down. You have to take the stairwell to get back down. At least that's what we found. Yeah. But there's so much going on that, that there could be some other layer of how to exit the building there that we just didn't find. Sure. But anyways, I truly believe that Meow Wolf is, if not the, then at least a definitive human experience. It's really unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And it's truly content of the highest order. I mean, this entire show has just been you and I just marveling and glorifying it. So mm-hmm. I don't believe it's hyperbolic to say that Meow Wolf is in the running for one of the most incredible things I've ever done or ever witnessed. And I've done some pretty awesome things. I've been keeping this list of uh, the coolest experiences I've ever had. So obviously skydiving and base jumping are on that list. I did a bobsled ride at Park City uh, about 10 years ago that felt like I was traveling through a time warp tunnel. Mm -hmm. It was so incredible. 
I used to work at a bungee jump park and we had this free fall net uh, called scad diving. It was basically, you know, the stunt that Luke Akins did, his parachuteless skydiver, he landed in the net from 25,000 feet. Yeah. It was that same kind of thing, but it was a 150 foot tower, 100 foot of free fall. It was incredible. But now I have to add Meow Wolf to that list. It's really the n- only non-action sport experience that can stand on this list because it's so unique. And yeah. it stands alone as a singular experience unlike anything I've ever witnessed. If you're ever in Santa Fe, Vegas, or Denver, you really don't want to miss out on this true expression of human ingenuity and creativity. So you should definitely go to Meow Wolf. Yeah, absolute recommendation. I can't think of a single type of person who could not find pleasure or just uh, joy, enjoyment out of going to any of these places, any of these meow wolves. Yeah. Uh, so someone that's been to more than one, uh, did you like the Santa Fe or the Denver one better? That's like saying, actually, I can't think of a good metaphor, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, they each have their own, you know, aspects. Uh, I think the I think the first one, whichever one you go to first, is going to have, like I was saying, the, the most impact uh, because it's so unlike anything you've ever seen. The second one, you've seen something like it, but uh, different. Uh, the scale of Denver was quite impressive. The amount of work that went into it. Um, I don't know if I'd pick one. I think. Uh, I would go back to either of them at any time I'm in either city. So I think uh, they're. I would. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say they're both my favorite child. It it's kind of like if you have a near death experience and then like you just get this brief glimpse of heaven and the first time you're like, wow, that's incredible. And then you have another one you're like, heaven, boring. <laughs> Been there before. That's Meow Wolf in a nutshell. Heaven on earth, people. So. Thanks for listening to us uh, just absolutely gush about Meow Wolf. It is one of the coolest pieces of interactive content in the world. So uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. We love all of you. Uh, You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at The Content Clearinghouse. You can email us at contentclearinghouse at gmail.com. You can join our Discord. The link is in the server. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, you know the drill. Right back here, content in the ear holes.